This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Well, thank you, Sid. I'm Donna Chavis, and today on Messianic Vision, our special guest is Cleddy Keith. Cleddy is going to lay down a foundation for the most powerful prayer ever prayed, and it was modeled by Jesus himself. Cleddy, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. <laughs> Good. Hey, Cleddy, you know what? I'm just going to go for it right off the bat here. You told me something right before we started the program, and I'm going to call you out on it. Um, what does your name mean, Cleddy? Well, my name is a Welsh name, and it means white sword. White sword. Yeah, that's a difficult thing for somebody to say. Cleddy, I've been called a little bit of everything, but it actually <laughs> does mean white sword. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, just just a little bit of background here on you, Cleddy, before we get started. Um, you were saved at 19. and uh, saved in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. God spoke to you in a voice that you told me was so strong that it might very well have been audible. What, what was he saying to you? Well, I was working on the missile sites at that time, back in 1961. And I had been out, you know, doing what young people do at that age during those years. And uh, I got up in the morning, I looked myself in the mirror. And when I did, I, I, I just heard a voice. God spoke to me. Not that he hadn't spoken to me before, but he said, what are you living for? And at that point, it so pierced my heart. I knew that before the day was over that I had to have an encounter with God. It sobered my life. Well, and you have been called, and I don't know if this is uh, self-described or other people describe you, as a modern-day Barnabas. What does that mean? Well, I love to see other men succeed. I, I think probably my, my ministry has always been about the next generation. And so I love to sow my life into the life of young men and women that will take, you know, the call of God and run with it. And, you know, it's been said that the, the call of God is a long obedience in the same direction. And today we need people that will keep on keeping on. Amen. I so agree with that. And you have done an amazing job with that over the years with so many ministers and actually giving them platforms, uh, higher platforms that than they would have had on their own. I mean, you have poured yourself into them. And um, I know that's made a big difference. Well, all the years that you've been ministering, you've seen, you've experienced so many miracles, you know, blind eyes, seeing, deaf, hearing, glaucoma, asthma, cancer being healed. But you said something to me the other day, Cleddy, that, that just really stuck with me. You said, God uses miracles as an evidence of a greater reality. What does that mean? Well, let me just, let, let me just go back to something you said and then okay. we'll follow up with you on that. You know, the beautiful thing about us pouring our lives into others is what Jesus did. And I want to see men 
you know, literally in women, discover their God-given passion. My passion has always been to serve others. And in serving others, I've found that one day I was not only serving others, but I was sitting alongside men and women that are earth movers and people that are voices and not echoes. Mm-hmm. And when we come to the miracles, I think today that that a lot of people have questions about miracles. You know, sometimes they they say something is a miracle and it turns out to be far less than a miracle. A miracle is something that cannot be scientifically proven. You know, it, it's just science cannot, you know, has to throw up its hands. And, of course, there's the Colossian theory, which by him all things consist. And when science comes to a place, it has no answers. It has to say, by him all things consist. And what I've seen in miracles over the years, my my family was swept in by answered prayer. I'm talking about my immediate family because of my uncle's brother who lost his arm. And uh, at that time, they did not have the means to keep people alive. It, he lost his arm in an uh, Actually, it was in a rock crusher on a road in Texas, in East Texas. And all of the family began to pray. And I was just a child. But they prayed all the time over his life and prayed that God would preserve him. They would pray prayers he would live and not die. And so out of that, our whole family was swept in to the miracle of, by the miracle of answered prayer. And uh, my wife's family was swept into the family of God, the kingdom of God, by miracle of the healing. And so miracles have a language of their own, Donna. And I think people need to know that today. Uh, miracles are able to speak for themselves. And yet we have people that hurriedly speak about miracles or calling something a miracle, and it's proven less than a miracle. I believe in miracles because I believe in God. I believe in his word. But I've seen miracles, and it's always an evidence of a greater reality. I love that. That that is so powerful. And you've even seen miracles that not many people have seen. Um, speaking of which, you, you told me a story about actually seeing someone raised from the dead. Can you share that story with our listeners? Well, I sure can. The thing, you know, when I talk about this, I want people to understand that that sometimes, you know, what God gets you into is socially awkward. I mean, it's socially awkward to run out of wine, you know, at a wedding. Yes. Jesus turned the water into wine. That was his first miracle. But I've found that when God has used us in the past or we've been in those places where God has responded to the prayers of that corporate crowd, and I think that way it keeps us humble, mm-hmm. God does, because I have great confidence in the prayers of the body of Christ. I, I believe in corporate prayer. But what happened was I was in in a place called Sheffield, England. At that time, it was the second largest city in, in Great Britain. And I was ministering for a friend of mine who's a leader in one of the denominations over there. Great man of God, great history, great legacy. And he had a great song leader. It was the the day before, you know, worship leaders and worship band 
he was just a great song leader. And I don't know if anybody has ever been with a uh, in Great Britain on a Sunday morning in the spring when the air is crisp and and those people are singing out of a songbook, you know, and it's just got the words in it, got one piano player playing. I mean, there just was something was heavenly about that. It was phenomenal. But he was one of the greatest song leaders I ever saw in my life. His name was Brother Parr. And um, I just felt one evening we had a, a packed-out building. People were wall-to-wall. They were in the building like sardines. And that was before the day when people were crowding into buildings like they might do in some places now. But they were crowded into the building. They had brought busloads in because we're having special meetings there. And um, I got up and gave him a word. And we believe in, you know, that God can give people words, prophetic words. Yes. And uh, what took place, I just felt like I needed to give him a word. He'd been a faithful man. I told him, Donna, I said, you're going to lead worship before hundreds of people. And God is going to use you. And you're such an inspiration. I, I mean, I just felt this out of my heart coming from heaven. Well, he died right under my hand. I don't mean he was slain in the spirit, as some people would call it. I mean, he died. The breath went out of him just like if somebody shot a squirrel. I mean, <laughs> his life just went, breath went out of him. He I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. but that... <laughs> Well, it, it, was, it was socially awkward, I'm telling you. How, 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 you know, think about how I must have felt. I can tell you, I saw the headline banners. You know, visiting minister kills, you know, song leader in the pulpit because the papers in England are not friendly. And I could see all of these things. He died. He was laying down at, at my feet, and the pastor was sitting behind me. And he's an old miner, a Welshman. And uh, I, I knelt down over this man to see what was going on. There was no breath in him. I loosened his tie. And I looked up at Mr. Mercy, and I said to him, I said, Brother, I said, he's dead. And he looked at me, and he said, like an old miner, he's clocked out, Mon. <laughs> he clocked out and clocked in it in the mind to go to work on his time card. Now, Clady, what did you think? You had just given this man a word from the Lord. Well, at that moment, I thought it must not have been from the Lord. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I thought, dear Jesus, what is happening here? And all those people were crowded in there with great expectation. And the the lady's husband, uh, the, the, the husband that was on the floor, his wife was there sitting down on the front row with us. And uh, I called her up there, and I called a nurse in the congregation. Paul told me there was a nurse there. And so I called a nurse up there, and she checked his breath. She was a surgery nurse. And in a major hospital there. And then I call up one of the other old-timers. Brother, I'm telling you, old-timers know how to pray. That's right. And I called another one of the old-timers, a lady who her husband had passed away, and he was a great uh, minister and well-known in Great Britain. And so we prayed right there and had the congregation to pray. And all of a sudden, she, the nurse said, he's dead, he's gone. But we were praying, and as we prayed, he kind of <laughs> just choked a little bit. And uh, he opened his eyes. He'd been down there for about, at that time, for about ten, nearly 10 minutes. seemed like for two or three hours, but it was about 10 minutes. 
and we got him up, went over and set him in a cane chair, and he was in a kind of a semi-conscious catatonic state, sitting there through the whole service. He didn't move, didn't blink an eye, sat there. There was no motion in him, and uh, he was totally fine, and he went home, and he lived for several years after that, about probably 10, 10 15 years, maybe 20 years after that. But, uh, you know, those kind of times bring you to a place where you're either going to believe what you preach or you're going to come into a place of doubt. But there was an element of faith that came into the heart of that crowd, and God honored that that was evidence of a greater reality. Amen. Amen. That's a great example of that that phrase and evidence of a greater reality. Well, I know you've ministered for decades, uh, miracles, dead raised, ministering worldwide. But, Cletty, what we're talking about today, you teach on a subject that actually and frankly and honestly, we don't hear a lot about today. And we're talking about prayer. You know, Don, when I was a young man, the first thing I learned about prayer was prayer as a sin killer. I'd never thought about it uh, until, you know, I began to write about prayer and began to, to minister on prayer. But I realized early in my walk with God, I found out that prayer was a sin killer. And God asked me the question, what are you living for? Well, I've been living to satisfy myself when I got saved. And so for several years, the prayers that I prayed primarily were prayers to kill the sin, the root of sin that was in my life. I know Jesus died for my sin, but prayer is like a tree. It has two roots. It has its foundation in the Word of God, and it has foundation in your relationship with God. And so what took place in my life as a young Christian was that I had to learn that prayer is a sin killer. And I had to learn to doubt my doubts and believe my beliefs, as it's been said again and again. Amen. And so you understand what I mean that by that. And that I think later on, as I had a prayer life, I began to adopt Psalms 109 and verse 4. And a lot of people would question that because Psalms 109 is a prayer where David is praying outrageous prayer. And a lot of people question Psalms 109, but it's because this generation wants, you know, they want privilege without responsibility. I've never seen a writer that writes about Psalms 109, never seen a commentary written on it, where they recognize that David was a king. And so he's praying what's called imprecatory prayers. He's praying judgment on those who stand against the purpose of God in his life. And when they attacked the king, they were attacking the kingdom because David had been given responsibility to pray for the kingdom. And he prays what seems to be prayers of judgment against families. But that's where the problem is. Today, the problem is in families. So we need to learn something about that over the years I have. But he prays a prayer, Psalms 109 and verse 4, and he said, I give myself to prayer, but give myself is not in the originally, original language. He said, I am prayer. And I'm sure you understand what I mean by that. There's not just seasons of prayer. There's a yes. place in every believer's life, or spirit-filled believer's life, you should say, that they become prayer. 
They pray constantly. It's it's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. It's devotional. You know, Cletty, when I when I was reading your book. Uh, in the introduction, you were saying that in this day and time, more than ever, you felt like God was calling his church to battle. And to you, that means he's calling his church to prayer. Now, we think about praying this way or that way. Um, but most churches have some sort of form of pattern praying. And you said something about prayer that really stuck with me. You were talking about the Lord's Prayer when people pray that. And you called it a weapon you said when we go into prayer and the Lord's prayer is often our weapon of choice. That's an interesting phrase to me or a, a, an interesting choice of words. Why do you call it a weapon? Well, I think probably, you know, when we look at Ephesians, it says put on the whole armor of God. And it teaches us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, spiritual, you know, powers, principalities and high places. I think that we're understanding more today that what we face is principalities and regions. Yes. Where we live, there's a big outbreak of, of drug trafficking and drug overdose deaths. And so there's a principality over this area that would, this is ground zero for heroin trafficking in the United States. That's by the FBI's report right here in the Cincinnati area. And so it, I think that if the church doesn't understand that Jesus, you know, would teach us the need to pray, and then they would pick this up, Paul would pick it up in Ephesians and tell us the need for the whole armor of God, that we need to know that prayer is the weapon. Mm -hmm. You know, it said you take the shield of faith. And so it's important for us to understand that prayer is not just a duty. It's not just something I do when I'm in trouble. But prayer needs to be a daily experience. I just heard that one of the men in our church, they just had a recent stabbing up in in um, Minnesota in a mall. And one of the men in our church, his cousin was one of the young men that was stabbed in the head. And it didn't kill him. But that's how close we all are to some of these things that are taking place in our nation. So we need the weapon of prayer, and we Amen. need to understand it is a weapon. Amen. And uh, we, we talked about a lot of people using the, the Lord's Prayer, and I know um, it's not just repetition. Do you think that, and can you talk to us about, that the magnitude and meaning behind that particular prayer well, I think that what we do when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying the Lord's words. And, and he does, it, we're like children. You know, we could color in the lines, you know, of a, of a coloring book. But most children color it outside the lines as they're learning. And then some way, you know, finally they learn to color in the lines. Well, I still color outside the lines in my walk with God because my my idea of pattern praying is this. I pray this pattern prayer, but I use these points. Our Father, mm. you know. Yes, yes. I've even had people get angry at me. Yes. One lady came and said, you even the song, sing the song, you know, Our Father, God, you know, fights our battles for us, you know. The Lord is a warrior. She came to me and said, you guys talk about and sing like God only belongs to you. 
because she was accustomed to people just singing the songs out of the book, but heartfelt, urgent prayers. Those kind of prayers are written in this, Our Father who art in heaven. Wow. You know, yes. and when we yes. pray, and what you're saying is like, you know, thy kingdom come. Well, that's not some just a little sweet prayer. In actual uh, writing, it means come thy kingdom, be done thy will. And I teach people stomp one foot, come thy kingdom, be done thy will. <laughs> and, then, and then stomp the other one, right? Well, listen, Clady, we're going to go on. Uh, we're going to take a little break here, and we're going to come back and talk about some more of, of those things. But, I mean, this is a prayer that we're talking about today, the, the Lord's Prayer, that the very closest people to Jesus, the ones that, that was with him, they walked with him, they talked with him, they ate with him, they ministered with him, they saw everything that he said and that he did. And these people said, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is the prayer that he modeled for them. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. Yes. But we're making available to you that are listening today, Cleddy's book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, and his three CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. Well, are you ready to start praying prayers that shake heaven and earth? When we come back, we're going to talk about just that with our guest, Cleddy Keith. So stay with us. Are you looking for a life filled with God's power and miracles? Have you sought a more meaningful, spiritual, and effective way to pray? Are you tired of the ritualism associated with church prayers? Have you longed for your prayers to reach into heaven and move the hand of God? Cleddy Keith has discovered the full intended meaning of what is known as the Lord's Prayer. And for almost 50 years, he has been praying this prayer, experiencing miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, Cleddy wants to impart what he has learned to help you unlock your healing. Your miracle, your supernatural breakthrough every time you pray it. Call now and get Pastor Cleddy Keith's powerful revelatory book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9450. Through his book, you will truly understand the magnitude, the meaning, and the power of this supernatural prayer as you enter into the secret place of the Most High God. Discover how prayer will become your weapon of choice. Learn to use prayer as an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God and overthrow Satan's kingdom. Be activated to new dimensions of spiritual passion in your life. Begin to hear God clearly like you never heard him before. Receive supernatural answers to your prayers. Get ready to have your life transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through praying the Lord's Prayer in this new and life-changing way. We've seen revival as a result of people learning to pray with power the Lord's Prayer. I believe it becomes a weapon that we can pray the Lord's Prayer and we can see that God moves in a divine way because it's literally praying the words that Jesus prayed. In his three-part audio CD teaching series, Cleddy Keith teaches you how to experience the Lord's Prayer and produce powerful results. Learn how to pray with boldness, confidence, and expectation. Become highly motivated to believe God for miracles, healing, supernatural provision, and more. Begin to see God demonstrate His supernatural kingdom in your life. When you pray, Thy kingdom come, you're literally inviting God's kingdom to come down on earth right where you are. And if you'll pray that in your family, 
If you'll pray that in your church, if you begin to pray it that way, then you're praying like Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Your prayer life will be lifted into the next level. Your walk with God will be altered forever. Miracles are waiting in the wings. When you're praying the way God tells you to pray, your intimacy will explode and God's kingdom will come on your life. The book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, and the exclusive three CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. Get it, do it, change your life, change your destiny, change your family, change your world. Don't miss out on getting Pastor Cleddy Keith's powerful revelatory book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9450. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9 9450 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. Welcome back to Messianic Vision, and we're here today with Cleddie Keith. And honestly, I hear so many great things when we're in break that I have to share them with you. Cleddie, I can't let you get by without telling our listeners this story because you just told it to me. And before we went to break, you were talking about telling people, stomp your foot when you're praying and when you declare these things and when you say this prayer. Tell me the story again so that our listeners can hear about the lady that had nine cats. Well, I heard about this preacher that went to visit this family, and when he was in the kitchen, they always take the preacher in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> coffee or tea or whatever it is. And uh, what happened, he noticed there was nine, door, nine holes in the bottom of the door in the kitchen to the outside. And he asked the lady of the house, said, May I ask you why you have nine holes in the bottom of your door here to the outside? in your kitchen. She said, well, sure. She said, I've got nine cats. And when I say scat, <laughs> I mean scat. And I think that's the way prayer really is. Uh, you put down one foot, you stomp the floor, you say, come thy kingdom. You stomp the floor with your left foot and you say, come thy kingdom, be done thy will. And that's actually how forceful that prayer is in the original language. I don't think I will ever pray that prayer again in the same way after my conversation with you and after reading this book because, I mean, you put such power and urgency uh, in it when you say it that way. And when I was reading the book, I know that you discovered this powerful weapon early on in your life. You had been married just a few years, and you had a defining moment that changed your life forever. Uh, Tell me about that. But, you know, I was taught probably like a lot of listeners. The old-timers used to teach, pray till you pray. Pray till you know you're being heard, and then pray through. That's the way I always prayed. I still pray that way. And yet, there's times in your life where God is leading you. And uh, what happened was is that my wife and I were driving through Houston, Texas, Allen's Landing, and all the young people back in the 60s and the war was going on in Vietnam, and people were getting high, and we had the flower power. They, uh, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of young people would congregate there. We were driving through on a Saturday night just to see what was going on. 
and and my wife said somebody needs to do something about these young people. Somebody needs to help them. Well, it was like a knife stabbed my heart, mm. and it was just a moment. But that moment changed my life, and I couldn't get it out of my heart. It was like God spoke to me clearly through my wife, and said, "It's time for us to do something." And so at that time, my my focus was to you know pastor a church and and see it grow and bless the people and be you know faithful to the congregation that was the limit of what I was doing I, I just I was just fitting in but from that point on I was like a I was like a a round you know rod in a square hole something happened in my life that took me and it was that moment and it became a movement because from that time on, I began to look at the next generation differently. Now, mm-hmm. I don't like to preach to the church, Donna, like she's a widow. If you preach to the church like she's a widow, everybody in the church will die. But I preach to the church like she's a bride because the church is the bride of Christ. I like that much better. And and that that's what happened in that moment. And that moment still continues in my life because I learned at that moment that I had to follow my God-given passion. Mm-hmm. It's not the path mm-hmm. that nomination was setting for me or recognizing possibly that I had some potential. It was at that moment that I lost the fear of man because I had to do what God had mandated our heart to do. And you know what, Cletty, at that moment you also began something else. You began to pray, and you prayed a very simple prayer based on what we've been talking about. What did you pray? I prayed, Thy will be done. Mm. Yeah, even even more specific, uh, you were praying over that situation right there in Houston, right? And yeah, you began to pray. My father-in-law prayed eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. He was an old-timer. He believed in prayer. And so what a model that I had. You know, my my family was people of prayer. I can only tell you that the last time I counted, there was probably 55 preachers that are in my my family, you know, that many of them have gone on to be with the Lord. It just seems like God produces more out of this bloodline. And I think it happened because Mm -hmm. of the supernatural experience Mm -hmm. that we had as a family long before some of these people were even born. Yeah, and when you prayed this prayer, did you really get so specific that you prayed, Thy kingdom come in the east end of Houston as it is in heaven? I mean, did you really say that? That's exactly right. (laughs) That's specific. Now, God doesn't always answer it like we think. Sometimes he raises other churches around us that, you know, that, that can be greater, larger than what we're doing. I don't think it's the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog, just like, you know, the president one time. Amen. Amen. A lot of times people think bigness is success. Well, that's not true. What we prayed for was that God would give us a place and that we prayed for one week. I would pray one morning at the church. My father-in-law prayed. He told me how to do this. He taught me how to pray. Mm -hmm. And we prayed at the end of the week. A lady came to us. Actually, it was a, a famous family of ministers' aunt that came to us. It was Vicki Jameson's aunt 
that had known my father-in-law for many years, and her name was Fanny Jameson, and she came. She was moving to Fredericksburg, Texas, and she said to my father-in-law, who she had known since he was a boy, said, Hardy said, I'm going to uh, move, and God has spoken to me to give me my property here in the East End with one condition, and that is that you'll work with young people in the East End of Houston. That's what we were praying for. And God gave us a house. It was a three-car garage with an apartment over it and a duplex, large on a big piece of property on a corner of Brady Street and Marston in the East End of Houston. We called it the Salt Inn. And out of that, ministers are all over the world. People got saved through outreaches. I'd have two and 300 young people every Friday and Saturday night. They would be half of those in church with us on Sunday morning. And uh, it was a it was really a culture change for the church because I had a mixture of Hispanic young people, black young people, even mm-hmm. Oriental young people. It was a it was a paradigm shift, but the culture was being changed and individualized because you know Thy kingdom come in the east end of Houston, come Thy kingdom be done Thy will in the east end. I think it would work for any pastor. I think it worked for family. And did you see that, Cluddy, as a direct answer to that fervent, powerful, not give up prayer that you prayed the week before that, thy kingdom come, so specifically as to even say in the east end of Houston, as it is in heaven, what that's that's affecting the community all around you. What did it do for you? Well, it opened up my eyes. You know, it opened my eyes to what God had intended. Literally, uh, Donna, I can tell you, I had no idea. I didn't even think about what was going to happen in the future. We're talking about millions of people have been ministered to. Uh, Young people came out of that. I know two young men that are drug counselors that came out of that, and they're drug counselors in schools in Houston. One is over... The Houston, he's over the Hispanic Families Association of America, is over the school board in one of the uh, school districts there in Houston. These guys were, you know, they were radicals. They were young people that it was Raza Unida. You know, we want white power. We want black power. We want brown power. That's what we're talking about. Out of that came a culture of people. It's like this, and I didn't realize these things, Donna. I mean, I wasn't reading books about this at that time. They weren't written. I just absolutely had a passion to reach the next generation. Yes. You understand what I mean? Yes, I do. God has honored that uh, through some of these young people, and maybe we get on later about them, but I'm just so proud of these young people. I believed in them. All I could give them was one thing. I'm talking about addicts. I'm talking about... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that were sniffing glue. I'm talking about kids that wouldn't go to school. Now you couldn't keep them out of school because what God had done in their life, they were the end crowd and people that weren't being born again and saved, they were on the outside looking in. I think, Cluddy, once people get this message that, that prayer is just not you know, vain repetition or even, even the Lord's Prayer when we say it sometimes without even thinking about it, but you're talking about power. 
you're talking about power that the early church had when they prayed and interceded on behalf of like Peter and John when they were locked in prison. How do we think that they were praying? Those prayers shook heaven. Well, I think probably the the thing that was in my heart was what my wife said. Somebody has to do something. And then at the same time, when we take the book of Acts and we look at it, and and then if you read the book of Mark, it's called the breathless gospel Mm. because he's in a hurry. You know, it, it talks about straightway, making haste, run, running in the book of Mark. Well, that's the way I felt. I had a breathless gospel. It was like God breathed in something into my life, like breathing into Adam, that was a breathless something that I didn't know. I had to get the story told. One great writer said, Mark writes like a child that runs out of words to say. And that's exactly how I feel still to this day. You know, something uh, that I love, too, and you told me that you really liked the story um, in the Bible about Hannah. How does that relate to what you're talking about? Uh, so often we pray selfishly, you know, and, and I think Hannah is a beautiful example for all of us. She, she got what she wanted, but, and God got what he needed. Mm-hmm. She wanted a son. God needed a prophet. And when we pray prayers that are aligned with his will, then the, the world is blessed. Sam, Samuel did not let one word follow, you know, fall to the ground that he, that he heard from God. It's just amazing that Hannah was such key. There has to be someone in this generation, and they're here. They're here. There are, are, people, there are people listening to me right now. You've got a purpose and a plan. Your past is not your future. God's getting ready to change your life. You, you've got to dive into the darkness. You've got to go where the people are hurting and where people are broken. You know, it's like the woman. I, what I was dealing with was people that were full of sores, literally like lepers. They were full of sores. Mm. Those young people were full of sores. And, and I didn't know anything about hygiene. I didn't. I just was a, really a comparatively new believer. I had been saved but about, you know, 10 years or so when all of this began to happen. And, and yet God trusted me with, with, with these young people's lives. And when you say this about Hannah, I want to pray prayers still to this day at my age. I want to pray prayers like this. I want to pray prayers that God gets what he wanted. And, and out of his kindness and generosity, I get what I think I need. You know, something else that um, when I was preparing for this program that you said to me, and I've, I've really never thought about it this way, Cletty. You know, your, your wife said, boy, somebody needs to do something about that. How many times do we say that, but you and your wife actually became the answer to your own prayers? And isn't that wonderful? It is. And I think there's a lot of people listening to to us today that are hearing this message from you. And a lot of us are saying, we look around, we see our, we see our generation, we see our churches, we see our young people, and we say, somebody needs to do something about that. How many times in my own self have I said, somebody needs to do something about that? Is it is it possible that in your case that a lot of the people that are listening they are the answers to their own prayers. What would you say to them? 
I'd say let's you and I just agree right now. Amen. Let's do it. Okay, Heavenly Father, Lord, any old bush will do. It doesn't take somebody with a degree. It doesn't take somebody with with a great deal of understanding about what you put them in the middle of, but it takes someone that will be like Jesus because needy people always gathered around Jesus. And I know if needy people do not gather around the church where we serve and around my life, then then I am absolutely out of touch with you. So let needy people just begin to gather to individuals that feel like they must do something. Let it be like they're a magnet. Let it be like favor because yes. favor is not fair. And we just pray you'll bless them now. Release them. Let this be a, like a word that Gaynell spoke into my heart. Somebody needs to do something in Jesus' name. Amen, Cletty. I believe that, and I believe that so many people listening to us are receiving that word. They are sometimes the answers to their own prayers many times. We, you know, we talk about heaven. Heaven is a part, of course, of the, the prayer that we're talking about, yeah. the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. What does this phrase mean to you? Men are trying to get to heaven while God is trying to get heaven to men. What does that mean, Cletty? Well, you know, it said his ways are higher than ours. I had a friend that wrote a song, much, much higher. Boy, was he ever right. And that there's times when heaven comes on earth. And the Jesus movement, Donna, back in the 60s, I was very privileged to be a part of all my friends that were a part of it. They were privileged to be a part. One thing about those guys that really are part of the Jesus movement, they were not moral failures. They they came out of immorality. They They were changed. They were transformed. You know, I was changed. I had a dynamic salvation. And... I was born again. And so I think one thing that people have forgotten about that which took place, and it took a long time for the traditional church to accept the Jesus movement was really something of God. But it's called parousia. It's where God kisses the earth. And that's what he did at the East End of Houston. He just needs somebody to say, come thy kingdom into the East End of Houston. And when he did that, Heaven came down. We had angelic, you know, things that happened. We had miraculous things that happened. One thing I didn't tell you about, I was standing in our church, which was about five blocks from the Salt Inn property. And I was, we were in a revival with some well-known evangelists, and, and God spoke to me that somebody was breaking into the Salt Inn. And so I went and got in my car and left the church. Everybody thought I got raptured, and they got left behind. They were looking <laughs> everywhere. But there was a, a young man that was standing on the porch. He was a, he was a mountain of a man, and he, was getting, he had his fist drawn back, getting ready to break in the window of the salt tent. And I stopped him, got him in the car, took him down the street. He, had, he was showing me how tough he was, and he was beating the tree. He was so high. And he beat the knuckles off his hand with the bark of the tree. It was so sad. I took him down to the church, and I took him into the back office. We were praying for him. And uh, God set the man free, not through me, not through the evangelist, mm -hmm. but through a little woman named Sister Tweedy, who had power with God. And and that's what I'm talking about, heaven coming on earth. I, 
we we prayed for the fella. There was no deliverance. I felt like I needed to call Sister Tweedy. I could hear from God to go get him, but I couldn't get him free. And so Sister Tweedy came in, and that was literally her name, and she had a little voice like a Tweedy bird. <laughs> and uh, she told us, she said, boys, get out of here now. And so we all got out, and uh, she was left in the room with this giant, demonized man. And all of a sudden, it wasn't, it wasn't two minutes, Donna. She opened the door and said, okay, you can come in now. That guy was sitting there sober as a judge. <laughs> and he was totally, you know, uh, he was totally, he had no lucid thoughts. He was just totally, just, it was like pandemonium was in his spirit. That means demon rule. And uh, God set that guy free. He died about a month later in a, a, a fire that took place in his, in his trailer home. And he was the brother of the the head of the Bandito's motorcycle gang that's throughout all the Southwest. And and it's just an amazing thing. We had heaven come down. We had God set people free. I mean, it was like it was just exactly like Paul and Silas singing, and God set them free, broke the prison door. The prison door. It was like salt in was a prison door. And if you could come there, you could get through that prison door to be free. Well, we are talking about the power of prayer, and that example just just shows you right there. You don't have to be a, a, a big powerhouse of a person in order to pray, a powerhouse of a prayer. So we're talking about praying the Lord's Prayer and the, the supernatural power that we find in prayer. Well, Sid and I want to make sure that you get this resource uh, today. It's Cleddy's book, Praying the Lord's Prayer. And his three CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. I, I promise you it is a fresh and powerful approach to the greatest prayer pattern of all time. Just like the moral law was written by the very finger of God. This prayer was uttered from the lips of the Son of God. Wow. That to me is powerful. And that's the way I want to learn to pray. So how about you today? Well, Cleddie was experiencing firsthand miracles, angels, and a generation being changed. And you know what he says? There's even more. The kingdom just kept coming. We're going to hear more about that in just a moment when Messianic Vision continues. Are you looking for a life filled with God's power and miracles? Have you sought a more meaningful, spiritual, and effective way to pray? Are you tired of the ritualism associated with church prayers? Have you longed for your prayers to reach into heaven and move the hand of God? Cleddy Keith has discovered the full intended meaning of what is known as the Lord's Prayer. And for almost 50 years, he has been praying this prayer, experiencing miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, Cleddy wants to impart what he has learned to help you unlock your healing. Your miracle, your supernatural breakthrough every time you pray it. Call now and get Pastor Cleddy Keith's powerful revelatory book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9450. Through his book, you will truly understand the magnitude, the meaning, and the power of this supernatural prayer as you enter into the secret place of the Most High God. 
Discover how prayer will become your weapon of choice. Learn to use prayer as an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God and overthrow Satan's kingdom. Be activated to new dimensions of spiritual passion in your life. Begin to hear God clearly like you never heard him before. Receive supernatural answers to your prayers. Get ready to have your life transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through praying the Lord's Prayer in this new and life-changing way. We've seen revival as a result of people learning to pray with power the Lord's Prayer. I believe it becomes a weapon that we can pray the Lord's Prayer and we can see that God moves in a divine way because it's literally praying the words that Jesus prayed. In his three-part audio CD teaching series, Cletty Keith teaches you how to experience the Lord's Prayer and produce powerful results. Learn how to pray with boldness, confidence, and expectation. Become highly motivated to believe God for miracles, healing, supernatural provision, and more. Begin to see God demonstrate His supernatural kingdom in your life. When you pray, Thy kingdom come, you're literally inviting God's kingdom to come down on earth right where you are. And if you'll pray that in your family, if you'll pray that in your church, if you begin to pray it that way, then you're praying like Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Your prayer life will be lifted into the next level. Your walk with God will be altered forever. Miracles are waiting in the wings. When you're praying the way God tells you to pray, your intimacy will explode and God's kingdom will come on your life. The book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, and the exclusive three-CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. Get it, do it, change your life, change your destiny, change your family, change your world. Don't miss out on getting Pastor Cletty Keith's powerful revelatory book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9450. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9 9450 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. Well, I'm back um, on Messianic Vision today with my special guest, Cletty Keith, and I'm so enjoying this interview. I know that you are too. Uh, Cletty has a little test for you for those out there who, who think that God may not be hearing your prayers if you've ever thought that. Cletty, what do you tell people? Well, it doesn't matter if it's a large crowd or a small crowd. There's always, Donna, people that do not believe that God hears their prayer. And so they pray, but they don't believe God's listening. And it's kind of like a, a Christian agnostic, honestly. And so, I mean, I'm talking about good people that go to church and pay tithe. And so, right, right. I mean, if you don't think God is answering your prayer, and there'll always be two or three, and so I'll have one stand up. They stand up reluctantly, and I say, well, right here in church, I want you to cuss like a slave, or I want you to use every word that your mother told you never to use. And they turn <laughs> blush and pink, and they say, well, I couldn't do that. I said, well, why not? They said, well, I'm afraid the Lord would hear me. I said, ah. I hear you cuss, but he can't hear you pray. And at that point, the point's well taken. Everybody laughs. They laugh. 
and they sit down. A lot of times it changes the way they look at their prayer life. And that's a funny example, but I bet a lot of lights go off in people's heads when they hear just that simple example and a lot of and in a lot of people's hearts. So that's an amazing example. Cuddy, uh, we were talking about the kingdom and the kingdom coming and heaven coming to earth. You said the kingdom just kept on coming. Tell me about Jacob. Well, you know, Donna, a precursor to that is that in our prayer life, we were being changed. Uh, Something was happening to me. I wasn't the same person. Mm. After praying that prayer, I mean, it came first to me, and it's like, the Lord your God is one in Mark 12, where he said, so love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence mm-hmm. and energy. I, I, I've never seen that before. Love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer. I love God in my prayers. And so what happened was that you'll always have a story that comes when God is moving, when what we call revival or visitation comes. Everybody has a story. And one story that came out of this was one of the young men. There were many men and young men and women who have grown up to be great influence and faithful in their churches. They've become, you know, pillars in the house of God wherever they are. They produce churches, and it's just amazing what God has done. But Jacob was a young man. His mother owned a bar. Actually, she owned two. And uh, he slept in the bar. They had a big oyster bed, if you remember those big oyster beds. And his mother and two or three prostitutes would sleep in the bed with him. She would say, you touch my boy and I will kill you. And uh, she wasn't kidding. She was serious. And uh, I remember her very well. She liked me because I loved her son. I always said, you pat a kid on the head, you pat a mother and daddy on the heart. And and what took place was that Jacob was going with us, and we had a bus called My Brother's Keeper. And so we went and picked up kids at Jackson Junior High School, and we carried them to the Salt Inn for our meetings. And this kid got on the bus. His hair was down to his waist. He had a, a hat on looked like Rudy Kazuti. That dates me, but... <laughs> burned sideways on his head. I could just see a little propeller on top of it. It wasn't, but I could see it. It was like that propeller was his confusion in his life. And he said in broken English and Spanish at that time, he said, Mr., can I go with you? And I said, sure, son, why not? I'll never forget his words. He said, I tank a backslid. Oh. It was so sad Whew. that he was like that. But he didn't mean, can I go with you? just to the meeting that night. He meant, can I go with you? And so for the next several years, he lived with us, and and God has blessed him and used him. I always told him, son, the Lord needs somebody that's Hispanic with their head screwed on tight. <laughs> be that boy. And I said, I said, you can have Billy Graham do your altar calls. And I said, you can have Oral Roberts pray for the sick. You can have this one, you know, preach about faith. I said, you can have Hagen come to your meeting and preach faith. And I just went down the line, you know. I said, you know, Dobson wasn't around at that time, but uh, if Dobson had been around, I said, you could have been given Dobson ideas about how to reach this generation. You know, he ended up speaking for all of those guys. He ended up doing great meetings in all of those places because I believed in him. 
Hmm. First thing I did was I trusted him. And that's what happened when the kingdom just kept on coming. Suddenly there was a trust. God trusts you and I. God trusts the people that are listening to us. But I trust him. Now he pastors, and he's a senior pastor over several campuses. They have 50,000, 60,000 people in those churches on Sunday morning, and it's growing like crazy. And uh, God has been so good to him and has used him in such a wonderful way because he knows the power of praying the Lord's Prayer. And we taught all these young people the need to do that. And so we rejoice in the fact it's God's work and it's marvelous in our eyes, even what he does in the lives of these that have gone forth and preached the gospel. That's the fruit of the Lord's Prayer. And it's limitless, isn't it, Cletty? I mean, what you're saying, the kingdom just kept on coming. I'm sure there's no way that you would ever even have any idea the amount and the the number of lives that were touched through that ministry. And you've kept up with Jacob because he stayed with you. But how many others? You say that he ministers to millions and millions of people now. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, and model it the way Jesus taught us to say it, and and recognizing that power, it's limitless. I mean, is there a limit to what can happen at that point? No, you know, Jack Taylor's a friend of mine. He's a great Baptist preacher, and he always says, what God asked you to do never ends with what God asked you to do. Ah. So I think that's exactly what we're saying, is that we have no idea how far-reaching a seed that we plant is going to reach, you know, how many more tomatoes will come out of that that tomato plant if we'll take those seeds and plant them, how many apples are in a, you know, in an apple harvest. We we don't know, but that's exactly the way it is with the gospel. It sore went forth to sow and and so what you're suggesting and what I what I know is true by looking back is that there is the fruit of the righteousness it comes out of it when we're praying and our prayers are aligned with the Lord's prayer especially. You know, a, a funny story is that that we had uh, a prayer during those days, and Jacob and all of us would pray it. You know, they didn't know what they were doing either. But I was in a tent meeting over in Indiana about a month ago, and I told the story about a 30-second prayer that we could pray back in the Jesus movement for deliverance from for addicts. Yes. And I, and I said... The prayer was, God, give them snap. And I've seen... Snap. You're saying said, snap, right? Well, there was some people there from Marion, Ohio, which is about a three-and-a-half-hour drive, that were coming to the meeting every night because of what God was moving there. And uh, they they came to the meeting, and they went back, and they worked in a druggie house. And so they started praying for the young people that God would give them snap. And to their surprise, those young people were being touched by God. And they, they text me, and the lady texts me, and she said, we're praying that God will give these young people SNAP. said, what is SNAP? <laughs> and so I had to tell her what SNAP was. In other words, they just snap out of their, their confusion, snap out of their desire for drugs, and snap out of their eye. I've seen people high, snap out of it, and be sober just in, in a 30-second prayer, be delivered, not, not have to go to a, a, a rehab which I believe in, but set free by the power of God. We call it 30-second cure for drug addiction back in those days. Snap. 
Yes, definitely. You know, part of the Lord's Prayer um, is is for daily bread, and I, I don't even think that that means just what we eat. I think it's talking about provision, and you talk about that in your book, and you teach on that. And, and there's so many people that have needs of so many kinds. Um, talk to us a little bit about that, and for those that are listening, what does that mean, give us this day our daily bread? Well, to me, it, uh, it just means this. The father doesn't want his children to live in uncertainty. And I actually have ministered and have a series on battle for daily bread because we know the grind. I have people that lose their jobs all the time as a pastor of a church. And so they have maybe five or six kids to feed. They have bills to pay. And one day they have their job. Next day they don't. And so I call, give us this day our daily bread. It's give me what I need, body, soul, and spirit. Mm, yes. And he is able to do that. And so it's true that we can't effectively pray our Father with the mindset of an orphan. And timidly, you know, we're facing what's going to happen in the future. We can't do that. We've got to pray knowing we're his children. Matter of fact, God has just really opened my mind to the fact when I, if you were sick and I prayed for you, here's how I would pray. I would say, Father, Donna is your your son's little sister. She's in the family. Now, I can get people to pray for their family members really good, can I? Yes. <laughs> if they don't know them in the church family, we can get them praying for those. But if they don't know them, it's kind of like they're praying long-distance prayers. But if I pray for you, and I say, Lord Jesus, this is your little sister. She's your family. I pray that you'll meet Donna's need. I'm telling you, I'm seeing results out of that prayer. I believe there are keys to prayer. And that's a key that is real in my heart. And so it's the same with this daily bread. I prayed last night with a family. A family just lost their job. And I said, Lord, they're your family. I just thank you that they're your family. Give your little brother daily bread. And so Amen. I don't know if you understand that sometimes the most simple things are the most profound. Oh, I, I love that. And that's what I love about this teaching, your CDs, your book. It's practical, it's simple, and it is profound. I mean, it has made a huge difference in my life. Cletty, we've only got a couple minutes left. Will you take just a moment and just speak into the people that are listening today? Because I know that there are people that are listening to your voice that have needs, and whatever that need is, um, I love the way you prayed that. Would you minister to them just for a moment? I would be more than happy to, Donna. Father, we know that we live in a world where people are full of sores. And Lord God, we don't know the sores that people are having to deal with in their children's lives, the hurts, the fracture, the dysfunction. We, we don't know the pain that the people that are listening to us, the sicknesses they have in their bodies. But they're your family, and you know. And so I pray that there would be a healing word. You send your word and you heal them because they're your family. They're your blood-bought children. And you've paid a mighty price to bring them into the family. So we just ask you, Lord, to heal them now. And I say in Jesus' name, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Well, Cletty, thank you so much for being with us. And um, what a great time we've had with you today. I'm sure all of you listening have enjoyed that. And we want to make sure you continue learning about the most powerful prayer ever prayed. So be sure to order Cletty Keith's book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, and his three CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. I know I'm going to start praying this prayer today, the way that Jesus modeled it and the way that Cleddy has taught it. How about you? You've been listening to Messianic Vision. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Are you ready to hear God clearly, have your prayers answered, and increase your intimacy with God? Then I want to get this profound resource into your hands today. It's Cleddy Keith's book, Praying the Lord's Prayer and his three CD teaching series, The Supernatural Power of Prayer. It's a fresh and powerful approach to the greatest prayer pattern of all time. Get Cleddy's book and teaching series for an investment of $35 U.S. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Two six nine seven, or go to our website at sidroth.org, sidroth.org. Ask for offer number 9450. Once again, the offer number is 9450.